Serb Alpin, the Timo Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio was the 2006 Minor League Offensive Player of the Year for the Boston Red Sox, the owner of a 430 lifetime on-base percentage as a minor leaguer, and is currently an admissions officer for the school just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, which accidentally accepted and graduated both myself and Fangraphs contributor Eno Saris. His name is Jeff Natale. Natale begins in what follows by talking about the Brandon Moss interview that Saris recently published. Natale and Moss played together in the Red Sox system. Natale also talks a little bit about the art of hitting and how the Red Sox teach that art in their organization. They talk about numbers a lot. Like They didn't want us to take more pitches, and I, and I think that's sort of a, a misconception about the Red Sox. They weren't saying, uh, you know, you can't swing until you have a strike or anything. They really wanted to focus on getting the best pitch that you can get. Note, please, that at points... Uh, at points, the audio quality of what follows is not particularly great. As my guest, Jeff Natale, was in transit, he was generous enough to use some of his lunch hour to talk with me. So on the one hand, I apologize for that. On the other hand, nothing to be done about it. Nothing to be done. It's Fangross Audio. It features Jeff Natale, and it begins right now. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and and I liked it. And the thing, the only problem I had with it was that when I played with Brandon Moss, all he did was see the ball, hit the ball. If you asked him about his swing, about the plane of his swing, or any of that stuff, he would have been like, "What are you talking about, man? I just saw a curveball and I freaking crushed it." Uh-huh. So that that was the only problem I had with it is that he's changed. He's, he's like thrown into a man. <laughs> well, he's and, and I think actually, well, I mean, he's an interesting place to start, right? Because it, uh, I mean, you could tell from from that interview, not just that, like how knowledgeable he is about his game right now, about his not just his strengths, but also his weaknesses, um, yeah. but also like how enthusiastic oh, he yeah. is about it. And I, that was that was a striking thing about that particular conversation. Yeah, no, he's certainly he's he's uh he's one of the favorite my favorite guys that I ever played with and uh I love that guy, man. He's awesome. And you and so you happy, yeah. yeah, and you guys would have played in the the Red Sox system together, yeah? Yep, that's right, in Pop Socket. Uh two thousand nine, I believe, or maybe two thousand ten that year. Now, it's interesting that, that you start off uh as well noting making notes about someone else's approach because um, as your a trip to your player page reveals, you had uh, among the best approaches in the minor leagues uh, for as long as you were an active player. I mean, in terms of your, I mean, it's it's evident by the amount that you walked, for example, relative to how often you struck out. You were you were real. You had what appears to be above average contact skills and also a very good idea of the strike zone. Is that something? Yeah. I mean, first of all, is it fair? Did you feel comfortable in, uh, with both those aspects of your game? Yeah, no no question. Uh, you know, I, I think what it started with was just being comfortable hitting with two strikes. Uh, if you're comfortable hitting with two strikes, you don't have to swing at pitcher's pitches before two strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of as I was growing up, uh, you know, I, I kept the same approach from Little League all the way up into, you know, the minor league. And I never sort of 
uh, drifted away from that approach. And when I did, uh, that's really when I started to struggle uh, at the plate, and that's when I would sort of get those slumps. Um, but then, you know, even if you're not hitting the ball well uh, and, and you're like in an 0 for 15 or 0 for 20 slump, uh, you know, if you keep that same approach, maybe some of those, you know, weak contacts turn into walks, uh, which makes your slump, uh, you know, significantly shorter. Uh, so that's really what I tried to do with my career is just see a lot of pitches, get on base. Uh, it was sort of the Red Sox way, um, but, you know, they, they were also big into, you know, if, if the first pitch is the best pitch, um, then, then they had no problem with, you know, swinging at that. Um, you know, I was just a little bit more patient than, than most, uh, and I sort of got that from my dad. Growing up, he would always uh, preach good plate discipline, being a, a lot of pitches, getting a good pitch to hit, uh, and, and it sort of carried on through the minor leagues. Yeah, well, because you went to you went to Trinity College, I believe, right? Yep, that's right. And I think that um, relative to other D three schools, that was a very strong program. Um, but I think it's also probably fair to say that in the grand scheme of things, it's not like a huge baseball powerhouse. Does that, does that seem fair? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and I guess I'm curious because I think you put up kind of, if I'm not mistaken, you put up sort of crazy numbers when you uh, when you were at uh, when you were at Trinity, uh, yeah. like something like a you know, like you know 500 batting averages and like 750 on base percentages or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I had a good good four years there. And I, but I was wondering though, in terms of playing at a school like that where. A combination, you know, probably for you of of training and just innate talent would make you a better hitter. You know, it would sort of your talent stands out so in a league like that. I was wondering if if ever it was difficult to retain that level of uh, play discipline when you knew that even pitches that were uh, not out, you know, they were outside of the zone or outside of your wheelhouse, you could still probably have success with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, that, that was part of the thing, you know, going through Trinity, that was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, you know, I would get pitched around a lot, but we had, you know, we have really good team, kind of like you said before. Um, so I was confident in the guys behind me um, and, and the confident in those guys being able to, to put the ball in play and, and get hit. Uh, so I, I really was able to stay with my approach without, you know, having it hurt the team or uh, or, or trying to force anything. Um, so I think having guys around me that, uh, you know, had a similar approach and uh, were good athletes and, and got hit, um, I think it really made a huge difference. Did you did you go to, to college with the idea um, that you were looking to be drafted on the other side? No, 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 not at all. Uh, I actually... So I was, growing up, I was a hockey baseball guy, uh, and I went to, to boarding school and thought I was going to continue to play hockey in college without much thought that I was going to continue playing baseball in college. Um, and then it sort of came up that um, I could do both, uh, and, and I was pumped about that idea. Um, so when I went to Trinity, I was, uh, I was more of a hockey player than I was a baseball player. Um, and, you know, my freshman year, I was worried that I wasn't going to make the team because I wasn't at a lot of the fall um, tryouts and a lot of the fall ball stuff, and then I wasn't around all winter stuff playing hockey. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was kind of thrown into spring, uh, you know, coming out, you know, straight off the ice. And, uh, you know, so half of my freshman year, I really uh, didn't see the field all that much. 
so I was I was I was worried. Uh, you know, so that was that was kind of uh, it, you know it never really crossed my mind that this was a, a, an opportunity uh, that this was going to happen. So um, you know, my junior year when I started getting letters from major league teams, I was like, this is this is pretty awesome. This is this is unbelievable. Uh, you know, this could kind of keep me from from the real life, uh, real world, and and keep me uh, playing baseball. I'm, I'm pumped about it. What is, what does one of those letters look like? Um, I mean, because you know, if you're not necessarily, if it's not clear to everyone that you're going to be like a first round draft pick, but you're still on the radar for teams, what what does that letter look like usually? Yeah, so a lot of them were just like open tryout invitations. Uh, you know, we've seen you play, we've had scouts come to your game. Um, there's an open tryout here or there, um, and, and with my the letter from the Red Sox, it was a, a an open tryout um, sort of thing at Fenway, um, and of course I jumped all over that one. Uh, and then I had I think I had another one with the Reds, but that was down in Connecticut. Uh, so they're really just like yeah, open invitations to, to come uh, basically try out for the team, which is uh, you know I mean it's still nerve wracking, you know, because there's nothing guaranteed, but. Um, the one with the Red Sox, I remember I, I, I hit extremely well. Uh, I had a bunch of my friends there from college, so it was pretty fun, fun opportunity. My parents were there. Uh, so it, it was cool just to, to stand in, uh, in Fenway Park and, and take swings off the monster. Now, given, given the fact that you were coming out of a school at Trinity and, and by your own admission, uh, you, you, were, you were surprised maybe to, to be getting letters from uh, major league teams. Did it? Um, were you surprised by your considerable success in in the minor leagues when you entered professional baseball? Um, I mean, once I got there, um, you know, I was pretty confident that I was going to be able to do well. Um, you know, I I got down to Fort Myers uh, for my first week, um, and you know, I sort sort of took a, a look around, and I was like, you know what, I can do this. Uh, and, and I think every player sort of needs to have that confidence in order to be successful. Uh, but of course, you know, once once I started getting regular playing time at Greenville, uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit of a shock. I knew I was a good hitter, and I knew I'd be able to, to hang at that level. Uh, but then to kind of shoot up the system as fast as I did, uh, that was a huge shock, and uh, you know, and really exciting for my family, and really excited for me, really exciting for me. So it was uh, it was a cool opportunity. And then um, you had you had these excellent offensive seasons. Uh, in the minor leagues, up to uh, up through and including 2009 in the Red Sox organization, um, just just a great command uh, of the strike zone. And then and then in, I see in 2010 or between 2009 2010 you changed organizations, and also uh, it appears as though you sort of had an abbreviated stay uh, with the AAA Yankees affiliate, which was probably Scranton Wilkesbury at the time. Um, yep, that's right. Um, and so I'm curious as to, like, what happened there? Um, so I was released by the Red Sox after spring training uh, 2010, uh, which was, it wasn't a, a huge shock. Um, I was injured the whole year before, um, you know, and it's kind of, it, it's one of those things that it's a, it's a cutthroat business. Um, and, you know, what have you done for me lately? Uh, so that, that uh, wasn't a huge shock. Um, you know, obviously it's AAA. They're, they're trying to look for players that are um, ready to, to make the jump to the big leagues. And, you know, I, I, I didn't think that I was maybe totally ready defensively to take the, the next step to the big league, but I wanted to continue to, to try. 
Um, and then I was signed by the Yankees, and that was um, overall a pretty disappointing experience. Um, you know, I, I went basically two months and uh, really didn't play at all. I, I didn't think I was given, you know, a fair shake. Um, but, you know, that that sort of thing happens. And, um, once I was done with the, the, Yankees, the Yankees organization, it was one of those things where I can continue to sort of, you know, go from team to team and uh, hang out in, in spring training facilities for extended and that, and that type of opportunity and maybe make a triple-A team or make a double-A team. Or I could, you know, sort of grow up and, um, you know, get get into the real world and, and see what I can do outside of baseball. Uh, and having, you know, a four-year education from Trinity is, uh, you know, was was significant uh, because, you know, when you're playing with all these guys in minor league, you know, most of them are baseball or bust. Uh, you know, they don't have the four-year education to fall back on, uh, or, or they're, they don't have a, a, a college education at all. So um, I was more than ready to sort of move on from baseball. Uh, it was like a time of my life where, uh, you know, going to the ballpark wasn't uh, as exciting as it, it, it previously was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the decision came down to, you know, do I want to go back to spring training the following year and, and try to make a team, or do I want to just start, you know, living a real life <laughs> so to speak, uh, you know, it was, it was sort of an easy decision for me, much to my father's dismay. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I, I wonder, one, one thing that I'm always impressed about with um, athletes who've played at a high level um, is, isn't so much their, I mean, it's, you know, obviously to get to that level, you need to have a, quite a bit of success, but... In my experience talking with a variety of athletes, uh, both at the major and minor league level, um, they, they actually have what I consider a much more useful life skill, which is how to deal with failure when it occurs. Because even when even players who, you know, become all-stars, either on the way there or, or on the tail end of their career, they're going to run into failure. And it seems as though sport is particularly uh, well designed to to train you train you for that because uh, if nothing else you know like even a pitcher you know, most pitchers give up a run during a start and you know most batters uh, will make outs you know when they're when they're starting and you're not just doing it in the privacy of your own home but you're doing it in front of thousands of people usually um, and I guess I'm curious for you. What did what did sport teach you about how to how to handle failure and also maybe some like coping mechanisms? Yeah, no, I I, I certainly think if you um, you know it's one of those sports where you need to have uh, thick skin, uh, and, and and if you you're failing seven out of ten times in the, in the major leagues, you're you're an all star or pretty close. Um, so I mean it. it for me, really, the coping coping mechanism I uh, I had was to hit more. Um, I would love to go into the cage, uh, hit off the tee, um, and that sort of relaxed me and, and got me into a, a better spirit. Usually, I had pretty productive um, sessions with the hitting coaches that I had uh, all throughout the minor league. Uh, they were all helpful. They were all uh, supportive. Um, so, so those were all good relationships that I built. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, of real-life situations, uh, you know, I'm trying to teach my high school kids that I have now, uh, you know, that it's okay to fail. And, you know, at the high school level, you know, you want to be successful as many times as possible, but the chances are you're going to you're gonna fail, you know, more than you succeed. 
Um, and and, and I think, you know, just my personal experience and playing in minor leagues has certainly, um, you know, helped them see, um, you know, really what, it, what it takes to, to make it to that next level. And, uh, you know, I think they're thankful for that. So actually, speaking of failure and, and uh, baseball coaching, you uh, you are, I believe, the, the, the head coach or the assistant coach at Milton Academy, is that right? I'm the assistant coach, yeah. Now, I actually played for that exact baseball team, um, and I, uh, uh, with Tom Flaherty, whom you might know. Um, I do not know Tom Flaherty. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I played for Tom, I played for Tom Flaherty, and um, I had some success uh, with the team. I also, at one point, uh, gave up a home run at uh, versus Rivers. You might play Rivers occasionally. Yep. yep uh, I yep. gave I gave up a a tremendous home run, a game winning home run, uh, to uh, Rivers at the Milton Field, which I believe uh, you might know. There's a, a in left field, beyond left field, there at Milton, there is a there's a house out there. Oh yeah. Uh, it actually the home run hit the house, so that's that. Uh, that was an exercise in failure. That's a pretty tremendous shot there. That's uh, yeah. that's over 400 feet. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. That's one of my contributions to to Milton Academy. Uh, needless to say, <laughs> needless to say, I was not pursued uh, by any any pro organizations. That <laughs> <laughs> um, was sizable. Now you're also uh, now you're also now you work as I say you work at at uh, Milton. Uh, what? How did that? Ha- what happens in between? What happens from that moment when you say? Uh, okay, I'm no longer, I'm not a baseball player anymore. I still have baseball-related skills, but now I'm, as you've mentioned, I'm, I'm going to enter the real world at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, it, it was it was a long time of sort of looking in the mirror and asking myself, uh, you know, what I want to do with my life and, and what passions do I have. Uh, for a long time, I was, or not a long time, but probably a year, I was doing hitting lessons and, uh, baseball lessons, and that really, um, really wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I, I basically had to sit down and say, you know, what are the things that are, are going to make me happy? Um, you know, and, and from my minor league experience, I, I knew that I loved to travel. Uh, I knew that I loved the game of baseball, obviously. Uh, and I knew that I, um, I loved my boarding school experience. Um, so this sort of um, opportunity just fell into my lap or a position opened at Milton. Um, I knew that I would be able to help with the, uh, the baseball team. Um, I'm lucky enough to even be able to get a help with the, uh, the JV hockey team as well, which is fun. Um, so all these opportunities just sort of fell into my lap, and it was all in, in one position. Um, and I interviewed for it and, and got the position. Um, it just so happened that there was um, another gentleman in our office that went to Trinity um, and then another guy in my office that went to Westminster. Um, and so I, I sort of knew both of those guys, um, and, and uh, they basically um, got me the job. So it was uh, it was really exciting, and I was you know, and I, I live on campus now, and, and I just love the whole uh, boarding school experience where you can um, sort of blend all your all your passions uh, into one job. Now, wait, so uh, do you live in one of the dorms then? I do. Yeah. yeah oh, live, okay. Uh, I live uh, right on the quad, uh, basically right next to the cafeteria. So it's, uh, you know, it's a good, good situation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's exciting. Yes, uh, I actually, when I was there, I lived at Faulkner House, which is not even really yeah. a dorm anymore. Nope, not a dorm anymore. No, it's not a dorm anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with me. So on your age. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, um, but we had fun. Uh, we had fun there. Now you you say uh, you get to travel part of it. I if uh, the listener should know that if it's if it's noisy at all, it's because you're in California for for some manner of event, I assume, which is related to yeah. your professional career. Yes, I am. I'm uh, I'm visiting um, some boarding schools, and actually, right now it's, it's my lunch break, and I'm at the uh, Commerce Casino playing some poker. So oh, if you hear it? some chip shuffling in the background, uh, that's my. Uh, is this the life? This, is this the degraded life of an admissions officer? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, I have plenty of work to do tonight, but I figured uh, since I had a quick lunch break that I'd uh, stop at the at the poker room. Oh. It's, uh, it's one of my one of my vices that. Uh, that I uh, that I learned a lot about in uh, in minor league baseball, and I continue to do now. Well, yeah, the, uh, I assume in minor league baseball there is a lot. You, now, you, you said you like to travel, but I assume that sometimes, especially in the lower levels, the means of travel is not always fantastic. It was not a fabulous lifestyle, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember uh, driving back uh, from Myrtle Beach um, all the way back up to Wilmington, Delaware. Basically sleeping on the bus throughout the night, waking up and having a game the next day. Um, and I remember we got back to the ballpark at like 10 o'clock. We basically grabbed a bite to eat, came back to the ballpark, and uh, and, and had a game that day. Um, so it was not a uh, it was not as luxurious as, as people uh, may think. Uh, another thing you mentioned earlier and that, that piqued my interest. You you, you mentioned. Uh... You invoked this uh, the Red Sox way or the Red Sox way. You were talking about your your sort of uh, your ability to control the plate as a batter, um, and you noted that that was uh, that dovetailed nicely with the Red Sox sort of method. Now you were you were drafted in 2005, I believe, yep. um, which was not actually it was not really long after uh, new ownership had taken over in Boston, which would have been. Uh, 2003, or maybe the winter of 2002-2003, and uh, not very long after uh, Theo Epstein uh, and company had had taken over. And I'm curious if, given your what four or five years, five years with the organization, if you saw if you saw any new sort of um, uh, overarching philosophies being introduced. Um, into you know, especially you know, down all the way to the minor leagues, or if it was pretty uniform uh, even before you got there. Um, I, I'm not completely sure about um, you know before I got there, but um, I, I know we would have um, you know hitters meeting all the time during spring training, uh, just about approaches and uh, you know going over the numbers about you know if a, if a, a, a Pitching staff throws over 150 pitches in a game. There's like a, you know, a 75% chance that they're going to lose that game or something, you know, crazy numbers like that that mm-hmm. you, uh, you ordinarily, you know, wouldn't think about. Um, and so we talked about those numbers a lot. Uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, other things like if you um, are raced two of that a week and you walk instead of, you know, grounded out or struck out and, you know, across the entire season. Your batting average goes from basically 260 to like 310 or something, you know, crazy numbers like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they started to, to, um, to really make us think as hitters, um, you know, about every single individual of that they were getting. And, and you can't wait that even if you're up 10 or down 10, 
um, you know, you really still need to, to compete every attack because they're important. Uh, and, and it might only seem like, you know, one at bat out of 350 um, during a season or 400 in a season. But, you know, if you start, you know, taking all those games that you sort of, you know, you're two for three and you just sort of throw away the, the fourth at bat because you already got two hits or something like that, um, you know, it starts to add up. And that's all about, you know, being a good hitter and a competitive hitter. Um, and so they, they talk about numbers a lot. Um, it wasn't an, like, they didn't want us to take more pitches. And I, and I think that's sort of a, a misconception about the Red Sox. They weren't saying to us, you know, you can't swing until you have a strike or anything. They really wanted to focus on getting the best pitch that you can get. If it's the first one, that's great. If it's the third one, that's great. Um, you know, obviously the, the more pitches, the better. Uh, but they're all about quality plate appearances, and, and they had a calculation for that. Uh, and at the end of every month, they would put up numbers on, on the uh, on the cork board. Um, and you know, we had a fifty percent quality plate appearance. Um, that was that was pretty damn good. Um, and so everybody got to see those numbers. And, uh, you know, something to sort of strive for. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go in a moment here because uh, I know that uh, you have things uh, pressing matters, uh, mostly poker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that some some players um, tend to be more receptive to uh, advanced scouting reports or integrating um, maybe advanced metrics into the way that they uh, plan uh, or develop as as batters. Um, and other players are that that not only is it maybe less helpful for them, but uh, it actually might actually hinder them if they're attempting to think too much, either uh, as they're preparing or, at, in fact, you know, certainly during a game. Uh, did did you skew one way or the other so far as that's concerned? I mean, I I certainly see where it could hurt. Uh, you know, I mean, there are plenty of guys that I played with that. Uh, you know, they'd be in a 2-0 situation and get a fastball right down the middle or, um, you know, kind of hesitant to swing at it because it might not be the perfect pitch. Right. Um, you know, I, I was sort of, uh, you know, like when I when I got in, into the batter's box, my mind just shut off. Um, you know, I was really just looking for, for a release point. Um, you know, I wasn't really too concerned about, um, you know, the count. I wasn't really too concerned about, um, you know, pitch selection, anything like that, I really just tried to see the ball and hit the ball uh, and, and tried to, you know, carry the same approach, whether it was 3-1, 2-0, or 1-2, because I felt like if it was a pitch in the zone, I could handle it. Uh, and so it really does take a certain person to, um, you know, to hit like that. And I was I was comfortable taking pitches because I wasn't afraid to strike out, and I think because I wasn't afraid to strike out, I didn't strike out that much. So it's kind of like that was the reasoning that I used. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people say expand the zone with two strikes. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that really, to be honest. I, I still was looking for, for a strike to hit. And, you know, I know with two strikes, I would be a little bit more liberal, uh, but I wasn't totally changing my plan of attack just because I had two strikes. There are indications that, uh, that, that like batting approach becomes pretty well established at pretty, at a pretty young age. It, it, you mentioned that you had already sort of uh, practiced uh, this one particular approach. Do you think that that's something you could not have necessarily learned at a later age? No, I, I think you can. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of um, hitting is a mentality, um, you know, and, it, and it's competitive. And, um, you know, I certainly think that people can change their approaches um, as as they go through the minor league system and improve. Um, but you have to be willing to. And I think that's 
that's the tough thing about, um, you know, if you're having success in the in the minor leagues and all of a sudden you get up to the major leagues, you might have to change your approach a little bit. And, it, and you might have to, uh, you know, take, take a bite of humble pie and, and kind of go back to the chalkboard and, and rethink your approach. Um, and for some guys, that's easy. Um, and they've been successful doing that. And then other guys, it's a little bit tougher. And, and those are the guys that don't laugh in the major leagues that long. Is that humble pie you mentioned? Is that going to be is that going to be organic and gluten free, or is it just a normal humble pie? <laughs> just straight up humble pie. Straight up humble pie. Okay. Uh, well, Jeff, listen, this has been fantastic. Um, maybe stick around for one second, but for the purposes of the recording, I want to thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that is Jeff Dolly, admissions officer and coach at the uh, hands down the best the best boarding school in the ISL. Uh, I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.